Well, this morning I want to talk about the bitterness that defiles many. And I want to go back to Acts chapter 8. So if you do have your Bible, just turn to Acts chapter 8. And we're going to be talking about Simon the sorcerer again, which we did last week. But last week we kind of hit on how Simon and uh, was basically relying, looking to Peter to have a relationship with God. He said, Peter, you pray for me. And we talked about the ten virgins and five who were wise and five who were foolish. And the foolish virgins didn't have oil in their lamps, which uh, represented cultivating an intimate life with Jesus, cultivating intimacy with the Lord. But we're going to look back at Simon the Sorcerer and we're, we're going to look at what Peter called him out for, which was being in the gall of bitterness and iniquity. And so I want to go back to Acts chapter 8 and starting uh, in verse 4. It says, Therefore those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. Now Philip wasn't one of the apostles. He was just a disciple. He was just a, a, a layman, so to speak. And so this is uh, for anyone that loves the Lord and you want to minister, this is your permission granted card because and you don't have a title you don't have a seminary degree this is permission granted from the lord by looking at the life of philip and stephen and many others who were not didn't have a title by their name and so philip went down to the city of samaria and began proclaiming christ to them the crowds with one accord were giving attention to what was said by philip as they heard and saw the signs which he was performing for in the case of many who had unclean spirits, they were coming out of them, shouting with a loud voice, many who had been paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was much rejoicing in that city. Now there was a man named Simon who formerly was practicing magic or sorcery in the city and astonishing the people of Samaria, claiming to be someone great. And they all from the smallest to the greatest were giving attention to him saying, this man is what is called the great power of God. And they were giving him attention because he had for a long time astonished them with his magic arts. But when they believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized, men and women alike. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued on with Philip. And as he observed signs and great miracles taking place, he was constantly amazed. And so here's Simon, who is used to having people ooh and awe at his sorcery, performing false signs and wonders. Philip shows up with even greater power than Simon, but this is through the power in the name of Jesus Christ. Lame people were being healed. Demons were being cast out. And when I read this, part of my, I pray in my heart is like, God, bring back the casting out of demons <laughs> in the church. I think so. <laughs> now, I'm not the guy that's like sees a demon behind every bush because I really believe that the way you overcome is to, to fix your eyes on Jesus, not on the devil. But the reality is, is that we are in America, our demons manifest in different ways than they do in other countries. And our demons manifest a lot in our ideologies and in our, the strongholds of thinking 
but how much has mental health come to the forefront? And I'm not saying everybody that has a mental health issue is dealing with a demon, but there are a lot of mental health issues that are um, demonically related. And so I don't want to go into all that. That's really a whole other teaching, but I'm just saying we need deliverance ministry back. And it's been, it's been missing and we need it. So, so there. All right. So, so Simon's used to having people who and all his ministry and they were, they were mesmer, they were so mesmerized, mesmerized by him that he had almost cast, literally cast a spell on him. They were calling him the great God or the, the great one with the power of God. And so Philip, he, Philip shows up on the scene and he has access to a greater power than Simon does. And Simon recognizes this. And so Simon himself actually believes and, and becomes a follower, but, it, but yet his heart is still not right. His heart is still not completely right with God. How many of you have, you came to the Lord in sincere faith and then later on you discover your heart wasn't all the way truly right. And, and so like God reveals like something in you that's, that's uh, corrupt. That was my, my experience. It doesn't mean that you doubt your salvation or anything like that. It just means that God's revealing things that need to die, that need to be put on the cross. So, Whenever I was uh, starting out, helping out with youth ministry, I was at a church just as a helper. And there was a guy who was um, the youth intern at the church that I was at. And so he was a, a former quarterback at Georgia, and he was a great teacher of the word. And he was a... Uh, he had all of these things that I put confidence in myself as being a former athlete and, and in high school and then also being a teacher of the word. But he, he did those things better. So I had competition, I had jealousy, I had envy in my heart and he would preach. And I'd be like, this guy, he can't really preach. He can't do that very good. I was a believer. I was like sold out for Jesus I'm a, and, and still am, but I was praying every night and in the morning, reading my Bible hours for the day, but I had this issue in my heart. I had jealousy and envy in my heart towards this guy because he was in a place that I wanted, even though I didn't really consciously was aware of it. But God began to reveal my heart. He says, you want the praise of man. You want a place of having a great name. You want people to, to I call it, stroke your back like you're petting a cat. You know, you want people to stroke you. And so God revealed that to me. And I was like, I don't want that. Yes. I don't want that. And so they were mesmerized of his spells. And so Simon was working for, sorry, series interpreting my, my message as I need help. So if you heard something in the background, that's what's going on. And also, I always mention this, please put in any comments in the comment section interact with me it helps interact it helps other people watching as well so make some comments there so simon saw his relationship with god as a way to gain access to a greater power so simon's motive was still 
to make his name great because he saw Philip do something better than him. But it was in the name of Jesus. And so he just wanted access to that power. Peter and John hear about what's happening in Samaria. They hear, they hear about Philip's ministry, that, that many people are believing in Jesus. Many signs and wonders and miracles are being performed. And, and so the whole city's rejoicing. Peter and John come, and they're being water baptized in the name of Jesus, but they haven't experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit yet. Some of them actually said, we don't, we don't know about that baptism. And so John and Peter start baptizing people in the Holy Spirit. And again, Simon sees something powerful happening. And, and so there's, when, when God's really moving in a powerful way, when people are baptized in the Holy Spirit, it can be quite dramatic. And so again, Simon sees power. He sees authority. And he says, I want that. Kind of like the woman in Napoleon Dynamite when she saw that sailing ship and she said i want that this simon's looking at that and he says i want that and and peter so simon goes up to peter and he offers money he says hey how much how much money do you need for you to give me this thing and like we talked about last week simon didn't want to pay the price of intimacy with jesus of submitting his life to god and not being the lord of his own life he didn't want to pay that price. He wanted a quick fix. Like so many of us, we want that. We want the quick fix. We don't want to pay the price of relationship. And so he offers money. And, and Peter responds, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have no part or portion in this matter. For your heart is not right before God. Therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours and pray that the Lord, if possible, the intention of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bondage of iniquity. And so Peter discerned that Simon was bitter in his heart and jealous, as I mentioned before, of Philip. And he was also jealous of Peter and John and, and the power that they were walking in. And so my point is, is that bitterness, which was what Simon had and was one of his issues. You know, some people have addiction issues. Some people have uh, pornography issues. Some people have lying issues. Simon had self-exaltation issues. He had a, he had, he wanted his name to be great. And, and so bitterness and unhealthy competition and envy and coveting it ultimately leads you to self exalting yourself because otherwise how can you feel good about yourself unless you're lifting yourself above other people and so when you exalt yourself in your own mind and you're always right and you always have the answers and you can't you speak condescendingly to other people you don't ask many questions first of all you'll be lonely secondly you you're it's there's a very very good chance you have bitterness in your heart bitterness and envy are like a two-headed snake they go hand in hand and so where there's envy there could be bitterness in your heart like why don't i have that why don't i have access to that 
and bitterness that there's and so that can be that temptation can be at some point in our life is proposed to many to everybody i believe and so you have a choice whether to accept bitterness and and not be thankful and think you're lacking something but the, the truth is is in christ you've been given everything that you need for life and godliness it says that peter says that we are partakers of the divine nature through his great and precious promises so we have been given in christ we have been given everything that we need we have no lack we have access to the father's table we have access to heaven through the blood of jesus christ we have access to the father we come with bold confidence before the father we're not far off anymore we're near and we're at the feet of jesus and so Peter, he goes on in, in uh, his first Peter, excuse me, second Peter chapter one. He says that we are partakers of the divine nature through his great and precious promises that we escape, that we may escape the corruption that is in the world by lust. Another way of looking at lust is coveting or envy. So when you lust for pornography you're coveting you're desiring that thing more than following the lord or, or something else now i also want to talk about um kind of diving into media and politics is that there is a a fountain of bitterness not all media but the vast majority of media has a fountain of bitterness that flows from it. This is normal media, you know, news outlets uh, or social media. And so these, so you can look at it as like a fountain of bitterness or you can look at it as, as roots of bitterness. And so in Hebrews, it talks about, in Hebrews 12, it says, let no root of bitterness spring up from among you so as to defile many. So what happens in media and social media with these roots of bitterness is it defiles many. It gets on you. It slimes you. How many of you, you watch social media, you look at it and you're like, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> or you watch the news and you're like, I can't take it anymore. And so maybe, and there's lots of bad news that's only reported on but it's not only just reporting bad news, it's coming with a slant of bitterness. And so you have to be, and, and bitterness is the bait of Satan. He wants you to take that bait. Why does Satan want you to take the bait of bitterness? So he can enslave you. So you can become his puppet. So he can have control, so he can control and manipulate your emotions and your mind and your thoughts. It is for freedom that Christ came to set us free. And John chapter 8 says, You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And the truth is in God's word. Like I said before, man's wisdom has no solutions to the problems of our world. Human love doesn't have any solutions to this. Human love has not gotten us anywhere in the past 6,000 years. The only thing that brings us peace in our hearts is the love of Christ and his sacrifice for our sins. 
and serve. So once you've accepted the bait of bitterness, you'll become, you can become his pawn. You become manipulated. And his agenda is to steal from you, is to destroy you, and to ultimately kill you. So what is the opposite of bitter? The opposite of bitter is sweet. And so God turns bitter waters into sweet. He turns bitter fountains into sweet. And so in Exodus chapter 15, the children of Israel have just escaped Egypt. They've just escaped bondage. And they go into the desert and they're like, we don't have any water. And they start complaining and murmuring. God just split the Red Sea. He just split the Red Sea. And now they're thinking that God wants to kill them in the desert after saving them from the Egyptians. And we just get twisted thinking like that. We're so easy to get our thinking twisted about who God is for us and about the nature of God. But in Exodus 15, verses 23 through 25, it says they came to when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. Marah means bitter. So the people grumbled at Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, and he threw it into the waters, and the waters became sweet. There he made for them a statute and a reg regulation, and therefore he tested them. So Marah means bitterness. Moses throws a tree the most unconventional way that we could ever, you know, would man's wisdom think, hey, throw a tree in there. That's going to make this, the water sweet. Do that. That's really logical. No, that's the wisdom of God. And the wisdom of God does, it oftentimes looks like foolishness to man. And so here they throw the water, the, the tree into the waters, they become sweet. And the tree that is thrown into the waters, Galatians chapter 3 talks about a tree. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So the, cro so the cross is the tree that Moses threw in there into the waters and it became sweet. The cross is what turns bitter things into sweet. And so in Proverbs it says, a sated man, a satisfied man, loathes honey, loathes the sweet things. But a hungry man, to him, any bitter thing is sweet. God does the impossible. He makes the bitter things sweet when you give it to him, when you take it to the cross. And this has all kind this has application all across the board for us in our interpersonal relationships and the things that we're taking in uh, on social media that might offend us or whatnot. You apply this to every area of your life where you use experienced bitterness. And you let the cross make it sweet. You let God use what was intended for evil, use it for good. You know, Romans 12, 21 says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And this is how we are to respond as, as lovers of Jesus. 
overcome evil with good. And so it's totally biblical to disagree with someone and still love them. How many times did Jesus disagree with his disciples? How many times did the disciples disagree with Jesus? How many times did the apostles disagree with each other? And yet they still kept unity of the spirit. I mean, Peter is even telling Jesus what to do. And Jesus is like, Jesus told Peter, get behind me, Satan. And so it is, you can, and do you think Jesus did not, do you think he stopped loving Peter in that moment of rebuke? He never stopped loving Peter. In fact, he rebuked Peter because he did love him. And so love is not accepting what you have to say at all costs. Love is I'm going to sit I'm going to pay the price of relationship and I'm going to continue to walk with you. So we have to be alert to not drink from bitter waters but drink from the sweet water which is the fountain of life which is comes from Jesus. He is the water, he is the rock from which the waters of life come from. So if we drink in bitterness by default, we're going to exalt ourselves. We're going to point the finger of condemnation. And we're going to fall into jealousy and envy. So those things are related. Wherever there's jealousy, there's probably bitterness. Wherever there's bitterness, there's probably jealousy. And when, if, if you fall into bitterness, jealousy, and envy, then you're going to have to use manipulation and control to get what you want. And whatever you get by manipulation and control, you have to keep by mani manipulation and control. Whatever God gives you, you get to keep without that, without trying to manipulate it, without trying to control it, because you trusted the Lord. You didn't trust in yourself and you didn't try to make it happen. And so when you get into manipulation and control, that's actually a witchcraft spirit. And so witchcraft, what is the purpose of witchcraft? Where, you know, you, you've seen the movies where there's been spells cast. And so, you know, it's when a spell is cast, what is, what is that spell doing on, on that person? It's controlling them. You know, we, Jessica and I, uh, a favorite comedy of ours is that is one is the Bewitched movie with Will Ferrell and uh, Nicole Kidman. Kidman, and she cast a spell on Will Ferrell to make him love her, and he just gets silly, ridiculous, and and so, she, but she so she cast a spell and she's controlling his love for her, and and that's just that's a, you know, a humorous. Uh, example of a, of a very serious thing. Witchcraft is real and we can actually fall into that under that same witchcraft spirit when we try to manipulate and control. Another way of calling that the witchcraft spirit is, is a Jezebel spirit and that, that witchcraft Jezebel spirit it says in Revelations 2.20 that Jezebel called herself a prophetess. Nobody else is calling her that. She, she's calling herself that. What was Simon the sorcerer doing? 
who was in the gall of bitterness and iniquity. He was saying he wanted his name to be great. He was trying to promote his name. And so that Jezebel spirit tries to promote itself and make its name great. And it also says that Jezebel seduces people in a sexual immorality. Now I want to talk about not grieving the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? How do we not grieve the Holy Spirit? So in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. Malice can, can be defined as the desire to injure. Be kind to one another tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. So he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, and this is how you do it. Let bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, malice be put away from you. Those are the things that quench the Holy Spirit and grieve him. Will you have bitterness? Will you have a fountain of bitterness filling you up? Guess what? You can't be filled with the Holy Spirit. If we truly want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and we've got to let go of those things. We've got to let go of bitterness. We've got to let go of unforgiveness. Anger does not produce godly righteousness. So this you know, my beloved brethren, by everyone, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. That's James chapter 1. So these riots in the city... This is not achieving the righteousness of God. This is not achieving unity. This is not achieving reconciliation. It's actually self-inflicting wounds. We can understand where the anger comes from. But the response to that anger right, to, is and how you deal with that. That's what I'm saying. We need the cross. What else is a person without Jesus going to do? They're going to anger. They're going to rage they're going to destroy they're going to have the malice in their heart they're going to desire to injure there's going to be strife clamor what do we expect people without jesus to do the gospel we have to preach the gospel we have to share the gospel any social justice that is not centered around being rallying around the, the cross of jesus christ is not justice at all don't jesus died on the cross unjustly as a righteous man for our sins. And so any, any social justice that doesn't exalt the name of Jesus as the only way for justice to come about is not social justice. So the anger of man does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And so I want us, as we close is to to pray ask God for it's like God what is your heart right now what is the father's heart for our nation right now and I want you to think about all the things that a father does a father sacrifices a father loves he comforts he disciplines he listens and he provides
God, what is your heart? What does that look like for me? And sometimes I get overwhelmed by the things that happen in our nation on a national scale because I, I, I like to try to, to do something. I'm a doer. And, 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 but you can easily get overwhelmed by the enormity. I'm looking up because I'm, th I'm thinking of how big this thing is of what's going on in our nation and all of our nation has had to deal with the past few months. And I remember something I heard Heidi Baker say one time, love the one in front of you. Love the one in front of you. And for me, it looks like reaching out to my black pastor friends who I'm in a group with for a racial unity group and praying that I get the perspective of heaven that I get the heart of the Father, that I see with eyes, with a pure heart. It says, when we have a pure heart, we shall see God. Asking God to purify my heart of any prejudice that I might have. And so I would say, I would say encourage you in this, that more than likely we all have a prejudice of some kind. And so ask God to reveal that, to bring it to the cross. But I'm telling you nothing. There is no peace without the cross. He came to make peace. And it's only through the cross. Jessica, you want to come join me over here?